thank you for being patient with me while I open the water. And pastor, thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak. You've been very generous to do that, and I appreciate it. And never do I take it lightly. Never. Um, think of a time, if you would, that you got super determined, super focused. You purposed in your heart that you were going to do something. It wasn't, well, I'll try my best. It was, I'm doing this. And if you can think of a time like that, I want to share just a quick story with you tonight. I was talking to Brad few months back after Wednesday night, and we were talking about cycling, getting on your bicycle and just riding, and how good it is for you. Great exercise. And he said one of the courses that he likes to take is out by my house. It's Palestine Road, and it's to the Randolph County Lake and back. And um, at First, I thought, that doesn't sound terrible on a bike. You know, I can be there in just a couple minutes in a vehicle. It's not that bad at all. And so in the process of all this, I was looking for a bicycle. And um, I got a bicycle, but it was in rough shape. Somebody gave it to me, and it was in rough shape. So I, I gave it to Eddie, and I said, Eddie, is there anything that we can do to make this bicycle functional? And he had it for a few days, and he came back, and he goes, I have your answer. No. <laughs> no, nothing we can do. He said, it's junk. But he said, I have an a, a older bicycle that is functional. And he said, you can have it. And so, Eddie, thank you for that gift. Eddie's got a great heart, and he just wants to bless. So, Eddie gave me the bicycle. I started biking just a little bit in town, point A to point B, nothing major. And one day, in the heat of summer, about 2 o'clock, I decided, today is the day. I'm going to give it a try. And so, here I took off from my house. But before I took off, I remembered the conversation I had with Brad. And, you know, I obviously don't look like Brad. I can't lift like Brad. I'm not as intense as Brad. But as he was talking to me about this, this cycling venture, I, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. And it got in here. It really wasn't in here as much as it was here. I said, I'm doing this. And so I took off. I told Jenny, I said, if I'm not back in an hour, come look for me. I'm not taking my phone, just taking a bottle of water and I'm going. And so for those of you who know Palestine Road from town out to Randolph County Lake, it's nothing but this. It's so crazy. And here was my determination. It wasn't that I was going to just make it there. I was going to make it there without pushing. You know, like you hit the hill and you get about halfway and your legs are just dying and burning. And you go, I'm just going to get off and push. That wasn't an option. I said, I'm riding out there, not pushing, and I'm riding back. And so here I went. There's a lot of traffic on Palestine Road. I didn't realize how challenging that is. And people don't drive the speed limit on Palestine. Harold. <laughs> so you had to be careful. You had to, you know, be focused. But it was one of those things I just want to share. I got it in here. And, and I wasn't going to be denied. 
And I'm not like that with everything. I need to be like that with more things. But I said, this is going to happen. And so I got on my bike and I, I went out to Randolph County Lake to the sign, pulled in the little drive, turned around and came back. And praise God, I did not have to push. It wasn't so much that I was in great physical shape or that my stamina was super good. What did matter was I had determined this is how it was going to be. I got focused and I had purpose in me. And so tonight, I'd like to do just a little bit of a word study in this Wednesday evening Bible study. I'd like for us to look at a few words. And believe me when I say that if you'd have something to add as I'm speaking, I encourage you to raise your hand and we'll give you a chance to share, okay? Just keep it under 35 seconds, okay? 37 seconds, fine, I'll throw you a bone. We can, we can do this. So tonight, I'd like to look in Daniel chapter 1. And I'd like to read one of my favorite accounts. Beginning in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Verse 3. The king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Verse 4. Young men in whom there was no blemish, they were good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them for a daily uh, provision of the king's delicacies, of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now among those of the sons of Judah were, Hanan were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. We're in verse 7. He gave to Daniel the name of Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Michelle, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart. He would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We're going to skip down to verse 18. At the end of the days, when the king had said that the children should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found, like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king, in verse 20, in all manners of wisdom, matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in the realm. Here we have this account that really, as we sit here in our comfortable chairs in the climate control of this evening, we can't fully appreciate the severity of what took place as Jerusalem was overrun. 
Judah was taken control of by a very, very powerful and wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar. Some of the tactics that were used to describe Nebuchadnezzar's overthrowing of different countries was this. Those that he wanted to take back with him to his country, he would. And of course, those that he didn't, he had killed. To keep them all in line and to keep them properly marching in the direction they needed to go, one historian, many historians have studied more than me, and they determined one of his tactics was to take fishing line and place hooks in periodic spots. And he would take one of his captives, he would have his officers take one of the captives and hook their lip and do the next until you had a thousand men in line or women, whatever. And this is how they led them away captive. You can be sure you were going to stay in line and not get ahead of the person in front of you. And you weren't going to complain a whole lot or you were going to get left behind and it was going to hurt so we read this and we're like, oh, well, this is nice. These boys got taken, you know, to a foreign country. It wasn't all roses. They were probably teenagers. I read this week where Daniel could have been as young as 13. Taken from their home. We don't read everything that takes place. We assume that their parents were killed. Maybe in front of them. And they are taken to a strange land not knowing anything about the control of the rest of their lives. Daniel, among three of his, with three of his friends, later we know that they are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were chosen as wise children who would be taught in the realm of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, and they would learn the customs so they could serve in the kingdom of the king. And as they eventually found out what they were there for and their calling, there was a gentleman who was put over all of these young men. And his job was to feed them what the king ate and train them three years. And the king had steak, and drank wine. And that's what was commanded that these boys should be given. And Daniel made a decision in his heart that blows me away. I would probably be so scared, Pastor, that I would just be thankful for anything that I got. But Daniel was so close to God and so in tune with the will of his heavenly Father he knew this wasn't the best for him. And how often do we settle for what isn't the best for us? Very often I do. I say, well, this is fine. I can, I can do this. It's not God's best for me, but this is what I'm going to do. And Daniel knew God's best for him wasn't the meat that the king was providing, nor the wine that he wanted them to drink. And so he asked the eunuch, the person that was in charge of them, he said, put us to a test, sir. Give us vegetables and water for 10 days and check us out and see if we are not in better shape than the others that you're going to feed this meat and this wine. And the eunuch said, look, I, you know, I, I'm scared. I'm scared of my boss, the king, that you won't look good, but we'll try it for 10 days. We'll do it your way. 
because Daniel purposed in his heart that this is how it was going to be. Now, this, the account tells us that after 10 days, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all looked healthier. They stood stronger than those who were eating something besides vegetables and water. And the eunuch said, so be it. You have proven to me that this is the right way. This is the best way. This is what your God wants. And this is what we will do. All because Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a decision. And I've asked you guys just to think about a time in your life where that's just how it's, it, it is. Where you just purpose in your heart. Tonight, as we look at some words and some definitions, I pray we get a better understanding of, of getting this determination. It's a holy, godly determination. Uh, purpose, the definition of purpose, I looked all these up in the dictionary on my computer. Purpose is an intention, an aim, a resolve. I'll read that again. Purpose is an intention, an aim, a a resolve. I want to choose the word aim there because um, what do you think of when I say aim? Does anybody have a something you think of? Aim? Okay. So hitting a mark, looking at a target and shooting in that direction. I don't have a gun and I don't go out and shoot, but some do. I don't have bow and arrow but some like to go out for archery and stuff like that. And so there is always a target. There's a mark. There's something that we are aiming for. And uh, back olden days, long time ago, the archers would practice shooting at this target. And if they missed the target, they would yell a word. They, they would shoot and they would know that they're, they're going to miss. And just like the golfer, you know, if he hits a bad ball, what's he yell? Four the archer would yell, sin, because he knew he was going to miss the mark. Paul said this in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I have my eyes focused on him. You guys remember what happened to Peter in the water? He was fine. Looking at Jesus, focused on him, moment that he took his eyes off of Jesus and said, whoa, look at these waves, look at the wind, what am I doing? The Bible says he began to sink. We sing about it tonight. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. What do you want to do? What do you need to do in this next decision? You want to do the next right thing? Just keep your eyes on Jesus, okay? So purpose, an aim, a resolve. A word that we think of with purpose, you know, I purpose to do this, is determination, Determination means firmness of purpose, resolute. I just see someone just standing like a boxer in the middle of the ring. He's just not going down. Just firmness of purpose. I'm resolute. And then the word steadfast. Definition, resolutely firm and unwavering. I loved all these words. I loved all these definitions and I thought, you know, we read from Daniel and we read that he purposed in his heart. But I thought, and Pastor, you and I have talked about this before. You know, it's tough when people put all their eggs in one basket and they read one verse and their whole doctrine is off that one verse. And the Bible doesn't contradict itself and God's character remains the same. And so, you know, test it against scripture. Let's see if it backs up. 
I, I think we were talking about tithing the other day, you know. Let's, let's just do a little study and, and talk about that. Um, what other accounts in Scripture back up Daniel's purpose? A purpose in my heart that I'm not going to defile God. And so I thought of a few examples. I thought of a few accounts. Joshua 24, 15. Joshua taking over for Moses, the greatest leader in Israel's history, leading two million across the Red Sea and out of Egypt. Moses, the one whose face shone with the glory of God because he had been in God's presence on Mount Sinai. Moses is no longer in charge and Joshua is in charge. Big shoes to fill. And Joshua wanted to talk to the people. And so he said, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods that your fathers served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But then he said this, as for me, my house, we stand on the side of the Lord. This is how it's gonna be. You know, growing up, it wasn't a question if we were going to go to church on Sunday. It wasn't even a question. We were going. When, we were, when I'd listen to mom and dad talk about their bills, they never, I never once heard them say, we don't have enough to tithe this week. It wasn't a question. When it was time for us to, to face something tough, I can hear my dad always saying, what is God telling us to do? Where's our peace? What's the Holy Spirit leading us to? There's not this question. And if you don't have a question in those things, then when the bigger things come, it's easier to be like, I don't have a question. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to purpose in my heart. Be like Joshua. You can do what you want. It's not God's best for you. But as for me, my house, this is the way we're going. This is the God we are serving. This is how it's going to be. And I love that about Joshua. I thought about Ruth. I had an opportunity to teach on Ruth a few months back. And Ruth got married uh, to a gentleman from a different country. And then he died. And then the mother-in-law said, I'm going to go back to my original homeland, which was Israel. And Ruth said, I want to go with you. I'm not from Israel. I'm from Moab. But I see something in you, and I want to stick with you. And in verse 14, when it was time to say goodbye, they lifted up their voices, Ruth 1.14, and wept again. And Orpah, the other daughter-in-law, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. It's one of those not letting go. And she said, behold, Naomi said this, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people in Moab unto her gods, then you should return after your sister-in-law. In verse 16, Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For where you goest, I will go, and where you lodgest, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, your God my God. Where you die, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part me and thee. And when Naomi saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, she, taught, she stopped trying to argue with her. She left speaking unto her. Steadfastly minded. This is how it's going to be. We're not flipping a coin. We're not calling a business meeting. 
we're not going to just sit and hope that we make the right decision. Steadfastly minded. Eyes are fixed. This is how it's going to be. I almost pulled up some video for you guys to watch tonight, but I understand that I am an addict of sports and some of you are not. So I did not dare bore you. But here's what I googled. Football players who couldn't be tackled. And it's so fascinating to watch some of these runs that these guys got the ball and they were not going down. And just player after player after player, the run by Marshawn Lynch years ago, I don't know how many, like eight guys all had their shot at him. He took their best shot. One guy he pushed so hard he went five yards back. He wasn't going to be denied. Ruth said, I'm going with you. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going with you. I'm staying with you. I've decided right here. And it's that purpose. It's that drive. Bria, I don't know if I have this in order, but I want to go to uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 2. Paul, going into the church of Corinth, made this statement. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. So let me paint this more in our language. Hey, Jay, did you hear about what Doc did? I couldn't believe it either. Let me wait and tell you all that I heard, all that I saw, all that he did. And Jay goes, you know, I don't really want to hear about that. We can talk about Jesus and we can talk about the goodness of God and we can talk about the power of the cross and God working in my life, but don't come over here and gossip about Doc. That's what Paul was encountering there in Corinth. And he said, I've determined this. If it's not about God and his goodness, let's just not talk about it, okay? And that's good advice for us today. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and they, they just recently got a, a new job and they're early in their years and uh, they haven't had any other jobs. And, and this person was talking to me and said, wow, I can't believe the gossip that goes on. I can't believe all that gets talked about in the workplace. And this person said, they'll talk about this person and then that person will walk out and somebody else will walk in and they'll talk about that person. And so they said, I know they're probably talking about me because they're talking about everybody else. And that's just kind of common. People love to live in drama. It's hard to be on social media. It can be hard. I, I've caught flack over the years because I don't accept every friend request. Because I may like you a lot, but my goodness, um, some of the things that may come forth on Facebook, wow. We didn't have that problem like 20 years ago. It was like, you know, you're going to say it to someone's face or you weren't going to say it. I mean, talk behind their back. But now we just use social media as a platform to air our complaints. And so that's tough. Um, it, it, it's difficult. Paul made this determination. I determined. I purposed. I resolved. That if it's not about Jesus and it's not good, let's just not talk about it. Let, let's just move on. Luke 9, 51. All these uh, examples I've given you are from other people in the Bible. But you say, well, what about Jesus? Did he ever have a time where he just resolved 
this is how it was going to be. And I found Luke 9.51. It says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he knew he was going to be crucified. He knew that it was his time. The Bible says he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. I'm sure there were multiple discussions from Peter, James, John, Thomas, even Judas. Master, are you sure about this? Because they want to kill you there. The religious leaders are waiting for you. This isn't a good idea. Bad things will happen. But Jesus knew all things needed to be fulfilled because he was listening to the Father. And the Bible says he steadfastly set his face. <laughs> I can only imagine the Love in his voice, but yet the firmness in his tone were going to Jerusalem. My purpose is there. I'm determined, no matter what, we're going to Jerusalem. One of my favorite verses growing up it was a long verse. I encourage you to get in the word. I encourage you to challenge yourself in being faithful to hear the word. It's something I said a few weeks ago. I love Jay's response, and so I'm going to say it again. Prayer is us talking to God. We know that, how vital prayer is. This is God talking to us, okay? So if you're going to say, man, I just want to know God's voice. I just want to know what, what he wants from my life. I just want to know We'll get in his word. He's got it all in here. And, and I love that. And so this is a verse that I'd like to challenge you guys to memorize. It's long, but I love Paul's heart. He's still speaking to the church in, in Corinth. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I've heard pastors say it for years. Our job, we plant the seed. Our job isn't to grow it. That's God's job. He gives the increase. We plant the seed. Someone else comes along and waters it. And it may not happen right away. You guys know that harvest doesn't happen right away. The farmer isn't out in his field in May expecting to see a crop. He's not in his bedroom pacing because the corn isn't seven foot high. He knows there's a time for that. And in that time, his crop will be produced. We share Jesus with those around us and we trust God in his timing. He will bring that around. It's a faith walk. And Paul said, be steadfast. And then he goes, a better word for that is unmovable. I could bring Robert up here because he's one of the bigger dudes that I see. And if Robert got real purposed and he stood here, it would be really difficult for me to move him. I mean, I could push and I could tug and I could grunt, 
But if Robert gets it in his heart, I don't know. I'm going to look at him and say, eh, he's pretty unmovable. It ain't going to happen. And so Paul chooses to use this word. Be unmovable. Don't be shaken with different ideas, different theology. If the Bible says it's good, then it's good. If the Bible says it's not good, then it's not God's best, and God's not changing his mind, <laughs> okay? God didn't all of a sudden say, oh, abortion's fine. I've changed my mind. That's not his heart. And we can read all about his covenants. We can do the Adamic uh, covenant. That's his covenant with Adam. And we can do his Noahic covenant with Noah and his Abrahamic covenant with Abraham and his Mosaic covenant with Moses and his Davidic covenant with David. You can read all about those covenants. His heart, his character doesn't change. Now the covenants change, but his character doesn't because he's not wavering. He's not changing his mind if it's right, it's right. And if it's not right, it's not right. So Paul said, be unmovable. Be steadfast. You guys have been great. You've been very quiet. Does anyone have anything that they would like to share? A story, an account, or a thought as we have discussed purpose, determination, steadfastness? Nothing from Gator Nation over there? No? Okay. Years and years ago, one of the great memories I have is being able to go to church with my parents. And they let me sit right in front of them, which I always thought was cool. I had to sit, got to sit in my own little section, but I was right in front of them. And on Sunday nights, occasionally, the song leader would take requests. He would say, what song would you guys like to sing tonight? Anybody have a request? And when my mom had an opportunity, she would raise her hand and she'd say, number 366. And the song leader would say, well, very good, Dixie. Okay, 366. Let's turn and let's sing a hymn called I Am Resolved. And I want to read the lyrics to you guys tonight. Written in the 1800s. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delights. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin and strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He has the words of life. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving my paths of sin. Friends may oppose me. Foes may beset me. Still will I enter in. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. And one of the great memories I have is listening to my mom behind me singing this song. She would be quick to tell you she didn't belong in a choir. She didn't sing specials. She would quote 
Psalm 100 that says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. She said, when I sing, I sing with joy. I don't sing with great excellence, great perfection, but I sing with joy. And so I can hear her singing that song. And, you know, back in the day, you could hear different parts in, in the church building. You could hear some, you know, doing bass and some singing alto and some soprano, some tenor. Some, most of us were singing lead. It had this great feel. And so I have a video that I'd like to share with you guys. And trust me, we, we didn't sound the best, but when I heard this uh, quartet, this, these, these boys uh, sing I Am Resolved, it just took me back about 40 years to a little church in Willisville. So I'd like to show that video at this time. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the words delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to Him, hasten to that blessed you. I challenge you tonight in things that God's calling you to do and in the things that he says in his word in the best things that he has for you. Resolve to settle for nothing less. Be like Daniel. Dare. Dare to be a Daniel. Yeah. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the power in it. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you enable us to get focused and get determined and to get purposed. And I pray that we would do that. God, time draws near. It draws short. I know that there'll be a time soon where you'll look at your son and you'll say, go get your bride. And God, the only thing that I can take with me to heaven is other people. And so, Lord, help me to plant the seed and be faithful in what you've called me to do. And help us all to be faithful in what you've called us to do. Keep our eyes focused on you. In Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed.